Hello and welcome back to the one where I met your mother, a podcast about friends and how I met your mother. I'm David. I'm Natalie. Natalie, how's it going? It's going pretty well, I'd say. Yeah. yeah it's a nice hot Sunday in LA. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, well, can we talk about your... Well, no, we mentioned last week that I was half vaccinated. Is that what you're saying? Still yeah. half vaxxed. Yeah, because it's going to be three weeks in between. We can't talk about it every week. Um, sure we can. And also because this isn't going to come out for... Uh, things will be like practically back to normal by the time people hear this episode. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. We will be, We will have been to the movies probably for the first time in Hopefully. well over a year. Yeah, if anything good is playing. I, w- I want to go... We'll uh, go no matter uh, Yeah, I'll go see whatever's out. Yeah. I don't know what's going to be out. Yeah. Uh... Godzilla vs. Kong would probably still be out. No, I don't want to see that. Neither do I, but I would, is what I'm saying, just to go to a movie theater. Okay. <laughs> I'm going alone, sounds like. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Last movie you and I saw together in a movie theater was Emma. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good, but that was like March 9th, I think. It was like the Monday before everything sort of shut down. Yeah. And we kind of knew that something was going, you know, things would be shutting down. You so know what? I, I have a very specific memory because we met at the movie theater because it was like after work. Right. And you um, walked to the movie theater from home. Yeah. And I took the train from work. And I remember like meeting you in the lobby and then kind of like and jokingly saying, I just got off the train. Let me go to the bathroom and wash all the coronavirus off my hands. And we were like, when it, <laughs> it, when it was still like a joke we were making. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, things got serious real quick. Yeah. It's not the last movie that I saw in the theater. It is the last movie you and I saw together. The last movie that I saw was a press screening of my spy. The movie where Dave Batista, every, like every, like a uh, pro wrestler turned, actor mm-hmm. has to do like the one comedy where they're paired up with a little kid of course you know, like Hulk like Hogan did it fairy? the tooth fairy yeah. yeah um I don't know if John Cena's done his yet I think I'm he sure. has but yeah but uh yeah My Spy was the Dave Bautista one um that was the last movie to this day as of this recording the last movie I saw in a movie theater and not the same thing but like big guy with little kindergarten cop Sure, yeah, yeah. I guess that would kind of fit. Yeah, and he was not a pro wrestler. He was a bodybuilder, but same but yeah, same general kind career of, path. Like, yeah. just look at how funny. This is a big guy, and this is a little guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, is Kindergarten Cop good, you think? Well, I loved it, and I still quote it. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. That's why I brought, brought <laughs> it up. Day. I think I watched it so often as a, as a girl that <laughs> it just kind of like, but yeah, I, I think it might. Maybe we should watch it. Yeah, yeah, we should put that on the list. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's only so many pandemic weekends of movie watching left. Because um, I, like I told you yesterday, once we can go out, we're going out every night. It's now, probably like, going to get pretty old. Paint the town red for months. It's going to be know, the roaring twenties. We, we say that, but I still am quite the homebody, and I feel like I'll miss being at home regularly. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. The pets will miss us. Home can be very comfortable. Yeah. I agree. We've learned that, hopefully. Hopefully the people listening have also learned that over the past year. I feel bad for people who have spent a year locked up in home situations that are not That are not safe. Or, you know. Well. Yeah. Way to bring it down. Yeah. I was just thinking (laughs) about people who don't have homes. Yeah. Okay. So let's... 
Let's get to some fun TV shows. Let's talk about season one, episode seven of both of our TV shows. The first one uh, is, well, no, I, I always forget we have to start with. The prediction. challenge accepted. Yeah. I, I think we both did okay, but you won here. Oh, I was going to say you won. I said, no, because my prediction was that Ross and Rachel would share a romantic moment during the blackout. That is kind of exi- the whole point of the episode is that, that that doesn't happen. Like the episode is built around Ross trying to make that happen. But, but you it were right happen. about like the first romantic spark of, you know, them matching up. I think that that was, that's more right than okay. Cameron Mannheim. No, I feel, yeah, you're right on the money. You said the matchmaker is going to be like a big a time cameo. Cameron Mannheim. But I feel like From TV's the practice. She's like a, an Emmy winner. I'm going to guess. And I'm going to look that up. Well, you know what? I remember her last, we recently watched, um, uh, with Lisa Kudrow. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Romeo and Michelle. Romeo and Michelle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's in that too. Which is funny because she's also with Lisa Kudrow in this. So I wonder yeah. if they were pals. Um, but yeah, uh, I, okay, I yeah, She's an Emmy nominee. I'm I wouldn't sorry. consider her like a big time celebrity Emmy. cameo. Well, no, she did win an Emmy. Sorry. In 1998, she's an Emmy winning supporting it. To me, Cameron Mannheim is a big name. Um... Friends, why don't you weigh in? <laughs> Who won? Right, Who well. won this challenge? I feel like we were both... I think it's equal. I still think you won. Because when we were watching it, I was like, oh, this is a lock for Davy. Davy won. Okay. Are you going to call me Davy on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> listeners, his name is Davy. Like, I've never... <laughs> when I call him David, he's in trouble. <laughs> Or I'm talking to someone else about him. But at home, he's always Davey. I guess. Okay. But even when you talk to other people about me, you call me Davey, which has led to your friends calling me Davey, which is super weird for me. But like, I don't, it doesn't bother your, me. It's just weird. That's your Twitter name. Yeah, that's true. It is my Twitter so name. So why would you? But that's a joke. No one calls me. Anyway. So uh, I guess I got to get used to being called Davey on the podcast. Yeah. All right. Um, I, okay. Yeah. I, I guess we'll. Hold off on the listeners voting on this one. Yeah. But I think it seems so clear that you won. I think it's quite clear that you won. I mean, I'll, you know, whoever weighs in first. Okay. We'll get the point. Okay. Um, all right. I leave a note to leave this one off the, uh, wait to tally. Okay, so we're going to start about we we'll start talking about the 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 Friends episode, season one, episode seven, the one with the blackout. Um, now, a little bit of trivia that I didn't even have to look up; I knew this beforehand. I didn't realize it was this episode, but I knew. Do you know that with the what was happening this night? So NBC's must see TV lineup. They were all blackout. They were all all shows set in New York City, and the NBC's idea was. There'll be a blackout. It'll be like New York City had a blackout, and it'll affect every show. I in fact, love that. Well, hold on, wait till you get to the funny part. The uh, so it's for, it starts the first episode that the first show that aired that I was mad about you, and I guess within the plot, I don't remember the episode ex- exactly, but it's actually their fault. Like they somehow cause a blackout okay. in that episode. Okay. The other uh, shows were Friends, then Seinfeld, and then a short-lived show that I no one remembers called Madman of the People, starring Dabney Coleman. But here's the thing. 
only three of those four shows participated in the blackout because Seinfeld at that point was already a big enough hit that Larry David could say, no, that sounds stupid. I'm not doing that. Good. And they just didn't do it. I mean, good for him. Yeah. But I like that verisimilitude. Is that what that is? Uh, uh, serendipity. Serendipity? I don't know. Okay. Well, I like it. I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that, that was... Uh, and Friends, obviously, at this point, was not big enough to say no to that to this sort of thing and they yeah. probably wouldn't have yeah, they weren't they want to yeah they weren't like curmudgeonly larry david types yeah. over there yeah uh, at, at friends all right so let's talk about the the friends episode the, the one with the blackout okay um so they're all uh, everyone's at i, I was almost going to say at home but they're at the yeah. home base we they're at home base. <laughs> monica yeah. and rachel's apartment except for chandler who's in an atm vestibule a particularly roomy atm vestibule yeah. Um, and he gets trapped because the, the power's, power goes out. It's a, an electronic lock on the door. Yeah. He's trapped in the vestibule with a supermodel, I guess. I didn't know who Jill Goodacre was. I looked at him. That's just the character. This is a fictional oh, okay. supermodel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know if it was supposed to be someone, too. I looked it up. Because they're not above, you know, casting famous people. So I assumed yeah. Yeah, maybe it is a maybe. famous Victoria's Secret model. Um, I mean, yeah, she's no Cameron Manhunt. As far as famous people go. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so the uh, first thing I liked in the vestibule, ATM vestibule was, uh, well, I liked, because <laughs> Chandler, we were hearing Chandler's inner monologue for the whole time because he's so terrible. As, we, as we've learned, he's so terrible at talking to, to women, to introducing himself to women. Be a grown man, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're hearing his voiceover. I like how he debates with whether or not it's a vestibule or like an anti-chain. I can't remember what other yeah. ones he yeah. comes up with, but then... He hears the supermodel say vestibule on the, on phone. the phone, and so his voiceover says, uh, Jill's going with the vestibule, it's good enough for me. <laughs> um, but I liked uh, a little touch that I liked. I liked that the voiceover, and I don't know if it, did it sound like, it sounded echoey, almost like she as if you were vestibule. talking in a vestibule, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I don't know, I think that was on purpose. Um, Meanwhile, at the apartment, uh, Joey uh, goes across the hall and comes back with a menorah. Yeah, to, yeah. Because they need candles. Yeah. Um, I thought that was funny that, uh, given that we know that uh, Monica is Jewish and Rachel we've assumed is Jewish. Yeah, I think so. Um, Joey has to go over to his apartment to get the menorah. There's not a yeah. menorah in the apartment with the two Jewish ladies. I think he just found it and was like, oh, hey. No, he says it belonged to Chandler's ex-girlfriend. The oh. Chandler had a Jewish ex-girlfriend. I wonder if that's Janice. Janice. Oh. I wonder if that's... I just thought about that. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, um, but yeah, that was a funny moment. They... Uh, there's the, This is a running... The, the, while they're killing time, this is obviously a running thing on Friends. Them swapping stories about their sex lives is like a big part of their friendship. So yeah. they're having this little like who's had sex in the weirdest place. <laughs> um, and Ross's story is great about uh, um, he and his ex-wife having sex in the It's a Small World uh, ride at Disneyland, like sneaking off the boat and going behind the um, the thing. The Danish and then, and, children. Yeah, and then getting banned from the Magic Kingdom for life, which yeah. makes sense. My only question was, like, how do like how do his friends not know this story already? Like, it that would be, would be a famous story, yeah. right? I mean, first of all, logistically, you would never get away with it. You'd have to jump the boat into you the water. You no. can get from the boat to the... the Maybe, the, uh, but there's so many cameras. Like, I, I don't think... Well, he, I mean, they did get caught. 
Yeah, right? but I don't think they would get far enough to get onto the little island, right. take oh. their clothes off. Now you and I have another item for our to-do list when things open back Should up. Do yeah. <laughs> um, first things first. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, <laughs> do, did you notice? I don't know if this huh? is the. Uh, 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 I don't know how long this. I'd never noticed this before on Friends. And I don't know if it'll how quickly it goes away, but there was and like the interstitial music when it like transitioned from the vestibule to the apartment or whatever. It had like these. Uh, do, do, do. Like yeah. it was, uh, I'm trying to think how the French theme song goes because we literally just watched How I Met Your Mother, so I always have that How I Met Your Mother theme song in my do, head. Do, 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 do. Like it was, do, do. yeah, but it was do do do. Yeah, there was, it was a voice. Weird. I wonder if they were trying that out, but but I, it reminded me when Seinfeld very briefly. Also, do you remember when the the well, like, yeah, the, yeah, instead of there just was the, like a scat, they were like there a scatting was, lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess this is something that someone at NBC really wanted these interstitials to have like, yeah. uh, to, to have vocals. Yeah. I noticed that. Um, so they're at the, uh, the, the, uh, the apartment, they're kind of splitting up into, into, into groups, just killing time. Um, I don't know. It, it, I wasn't sure why Ross was even there. And we, cause we, he they're has always his own together. It's... Yeah. Um, well, I guess the reason he stays there is because he wants to spend more time with with Rachel, um, and then so he's like trying to have a nice m- moment with her, and then this was a particular uh, a related like it, obviously hasn't happened to me in a long time since I've been seeing the single, but the idea of trying to chat someone up, striking out quote unquote, and then realizing that your friend like saw it all go down and like having that extra level of embarrassment mm. that that uh, resonated with me mm. that uh, okay. uh, Joey like calling Ross out on not being good <laughs> at chatting up Rachel um, uh, I had, I've had that experience before then Joey has the friend zone talk which I guess in 1994 probably wasn't as didn't have this toxic connotation yeah. as it does now and but it's still like people still talk about it and I'm so sick of it yeah I'm sick of hearing about it like it's it's just a false notion and it's objectifying and it's gross uh yeah yeah i mean it's it's the same impulse that like uh uh certain certain former vice presidents refuse to be alone with women other than their wives it's like you know it's okay to just be friends right and mother wouldn't approve yeah and spending time a man spending time with a woman doesn't imply anything and also doesn't mean the woman like Oh, like she's not. If you, if I'm hanging out with a with a woman and she's not interested in me romantically or sexually, that doesn't mean that she's like done done some or, yeah. or that she's done something to me. It's not an attack on me, right? I mean, I also got that same kind of like gross out vibe. Just the idea of like Chandler being in the vestibule alone with the woman and him just losing all capability because his mind is going into all the gross places that, you know, like he's stuck here with a woman. He doesn't know how to behave. He doesn't know how to control himself. He can't even talk. Like that's how, that's how toxic this, this culture is where like, and that's just like played as a, as a laugh, as a joke. And the only thing this like grown man can think about is I wish the boys from my high school could see me. I now. would tell 300. Yeah. <laughs> like what do you Bro, think um. is going to happen? Meanwhile, if I was that woman, I would, I would, 
call 911. Like, if this <laughs> man in this vestibule, like, behaved in that way, um, I would not be okay with that. Well, back to, uh, speaking of the vestibule, did you notice, and I'm hoping you could figure out what, this is the, uh, the danger, the, the danger of us not talking during the episode is sometimes I'll have a question, but I'll be like, oh, I can't. Yeah. So did you notice on the ATM there were fake credit card names? No, I didn't. It was like, there was one logo in the style of Visa that said Vista, oh, and there was one in the did. style of Discover that said Discerner, which sounds oh, like so a great. bad like new yeah. metal band yeah. or like butt rock band or whatever. Um, and then there's another one below it that I it was like yellow and red, and I could not figure out what it said. There were brochures too. Yeah, like, they put a lot of detail into. Um, speaking of de- details. Uh, uh, how hilariously unconvincing was the fake cat on Ross's oh, yeah. shoulder? So yeah. we see a real cat like climb onto his shoulders and he like freaks out and then we cut to inside the apartment yeah. and he's out on their like balcony or well, whatever. Well, set up the scene. This is like when Ross is out on the balcony with Rachel and he's going to like kind of for the first time like ask her out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's um, interrupted by just like a wayward cat. And then the cat ends up like pouncing on him and attacking him. And then we see um, Monica, Joey, and Phoebe inside. And Phoebe's playing the g- guitar. And they're all singing loudly. And then you see the window. And he, like Ross does a lot of, uh, I guess, he, he's tossing the cat around. Right, yeah. But it's like a very, very fake. Yeah, I think cat. it's, yeah. Um, like the absurdity is just like the differences of the two groups, like yeah. the juxtaposition is what's funny yeah yeah um but uh yeah never mind I, there's a story about uh during the making of the movie captain marvel which you and i saw together do you remember uh really? with brie larson and samuel oh, jackson oh that's right that's right you don't remember captain Sorry, marvel i guess i do <laughs> um well do you remember there's a cat named goose that's yes. like in the whole movie yes and I guess fake cat technology has come a long way, especially if you're Marvel and you can spend all this money. So apparently Samuel Jackson and Brie Larson were like jokingly like, you know, when the cameras weren't rolling, like playing catch with this fake cat and like seriously freaked some people out because the cat looked so real. The fake cat looked yeah. so real that they thought they were like tossing a real cat yeah. uh, around on, on set. Well, I say bring on the fake cats because I hate when like real animals are in movies and TV. Okay. Well, there's a lot of fake cat, or a lot of, there's a lot of real cat in this episode too. Yeah. Uh, they go the the uh, Rachel and Phoebe go to try and find the cat's owner in the building mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, they uh, knock on the door of a man played by Larry Hankin, character actor. Character actor Larry Hankin, most uh, recognizable probably these days as uh, Joe, the junkyard guy from Breaking Bad. Hmm. Um. Who sh- he showed up again in, uh, but in tons of stuff. Yeah, he's he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, uh, the most the yeah the thing I think about him most because he was in Breaking Bad a couple of times when they like broke down the original RV, um, but then also when they used magnets, the whole like famous like Jesse like magnets bitch whatever he says. They did that at the junkyard. Yeah, and then Joe sh- played Joe showed up again in El Camino. The uh, Jesse. The post-Breaking Bad Jesse movie. It just occurred to me that the first time I've seen him was in um, Fairytale Theater. Do you remember Fairytale Theater? I know Theater? What, it, what it was, but I never watched it. <gasps> That's like one of my earliest memories of him. But I loved Fairytale Theater. Anyway. Who did he play? Whom did he play? 
I don't rem- I think he was in a few of them. Okay. Uh, but according to IMDb, his character on Breaking Bad is known as Old Joe. Yeah. But, um... That's right. Wh- um, what year would Fairy Tale Theater have been? Oh, like 85? All right, let me see if I can do this quickly before people get... Should we bored. talk about our funniest? Uh, Fairy Tale Theater, one episode. Oh, which the Fairy one? Tale Theater, the Three Little Pigs. Three Little Pigs. He was Mr. Burtman. <gasps> he sure was. Okay. He sure was. What um, year? I'm sorry. That, uh, that was '85. Yeah, okay. Fairy Tale Theater ran '82 to '87, but that okay. episode was in '85. All right. Good call. Good call. Um, so yeah, then back to the vestibule where uh, Joey, not Joey Chandler. Um, Here's one thing. We'll get to similarities and differences between the two episodes we watched tonight. But both of um, both of them had things that really icked me out. Yeah. This one was Chandler uh, absentmindedly putting a chewed piece, like a Oof. piece of gum that someone else had chewed yeah. back in his mouth, thinking yeah. it was his. I cringed. It's so gross. Yeah. So gross. Um, and uh, speaking of gross, and then the you know the end of that vestibule thing actually is is cute when they're doing like playing with the pen dangling mm-hmm. pens is uh, in the on the bank uh, desk or whatever is cute. But um, speaking of gross, uh, when Ross confronts Paula, we get we the uh, Rachel mm, uncovers a neighbor. Yes, that was gross. Uh, who uh, is the actual owner of the cat? His name is Paulo, and he's a, a very uh, he's a Fabio type, very mm-hmm. sexy mm-hmm. Italian man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, but when Ross, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm trying to put like teleport back to 1984 and find out how this scene is supposed to be funny because it's just super gross that he's like I'm basically saying he's like he's sabotaging she's mine, her. yeah, not yours, yes. Um, and yeah. he literally says like Rachel and I should be together, yeah, which is like so gross, yeah. Um, like she and, doesn't even know exactly, yet, so yeah. Yeah, it's like gross. the Saved by the Bell where Screech got mad at Zach for going out with Lisa because like she was mine, quote unquote. But no, right. no she wasn't. Right, Lisa could date whoever she wanted. Yeah, yeah. Well, the joke's on him, right? In um, this episode, at least on Ross. Yeah, yeah. Good for Paolo. Good for Rachel. Right. I hope because Rachel was looking for some. She said she never had any passion in her romantic life. Mm-hmm. Looks like she's getting some of that out of her system. So I, right. So yeah. I mean, I hope I. I, I can only predict that Paolo is going to be around for the rest of the series. So this is just, <laughs> I mean, so when the lights come back on though, we find, um, yeah, Rachel and Paolo necking. Uh, yeah. Could say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's, uh, and then yeah, the lights come back on the, uh, um, Chandler and the supermodel get out of the, the vestibule and, um, end of episode. The tag at the end is is Chandler talking to the security camera in the vestibule, uh, requesting a a tape of the. Meanwhile, like, what do you want a tape of? You like being a bumbling idiot. But she kissed him on the cheek on the way out. That's yeah. what he wants to show to his high school friends. Is hey, uh, Jill Goodacre, fictional fictional supermodel Jill Goodacre, uh, gave me a patronizing kiss on the a cheek. Petri- exactly, exactly. <laughs> if anything, that's like. Good, good boy. Like, a, yeah. like a, you're a child. Yeah. Um, and do, you, do you have any other uh, observations or notes about uh, about the Friends episode, season um, one, episode seven, the one with the blackout? N- no. No. So should we move on to? Uh, oh. oh, 
uh, stray observation, this is the first one that they're drinking alcohol. They're, they're all drinking wine during the blackout. Oh, okay. They go through several bottles, so you have to give them credit because normally it's just cappuccinos. Yeah. So All right, I guess, I guess the, when the, when the li- lights go lights out, off. rules yeah <laughs> rules through out the window. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do funniest moment in fashion moment now or after we? I always forget when we. Yeah, let's do let's do funniest moment. Why okay. Don't you start. I'll start with my funniest moment. Uh, Phoebe didn't have a whole lot to do this episode, but she, you know, played the guitar. But also she um, is mad that she's always the last to know things, even when they aren't true things, like the fake birthday party that Rosh is throwing for uh, for Monica. But uh, when she's listing (laughs) the things she was the last to know about, one of them is that Chandler got bit by the peacock at the zoo. That was mine. (laughs) That was very funny. Yeah. Um, That was very funny. I wrote that one down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Rabbi Tribbiani made me laugh. <laughs> okay. And then also, like, when Chandler said gum would be perfection and immediately was like, why did I just say that? Yeah. yeah. Like, that was very funny. Um, yeah, this was a funny episode. Oh, um, I did note that ugly naked guy was lighting a bunch of candles. Okay, yeah, I had that under running jokes and motifs. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that doesn't uh, come to later. But we can do it. We, okay. we still haven't hammered this out. We can do it whenever. Okay, so running joke motif, ugly naked guy burning himself with candles this mm-hmm. time. And then um, this is the first time uh, we heard Phoebe, um, you know, as a as a singer, guitar player. Yeah, there was a reference to it in the pilot that she was like yeah. writing songs yeah, but in she's her head, a, but we actually see her yeah. almost play a song. Yeah, so they're like the begin the opening scene. I think they're at Central Park, and she's gonna do like a like a show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the lights go out before she could even start. And then, did we learn that Phoebe? I mean, we already knew she lives with her grandmother. I think we already maybe knew that. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Because she said she wants to call home to see if her grandma's okay. Yeah. Then she doesn't know her own number, which is like, not actually like, doesn't seem that crazy to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, fashion moment. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to pick, uh, I'm not going to always go with men's fashion. Okay. But uh, it's simple, but I like Joey's pink, pink. pocket tee. Yeah. Um, but with the, like the, the sleeve the rolled up a little. Up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I noted that. It's like a greaser look, which is kind of his look, but also it's pink, it's which is pink. like kind of proto-millennial. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I wrote that down too. Um, Phoebe's hair looked wonderful, beautiful. But yeah, everyone else is pretty standard. Um, Ross had a um, cable-knit turtleneck. Turtleneck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just looks like... Uh, He's dressed like um, Cameron Diaz in the holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. It's, it's a look. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow. That fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, why don't you tell us what happened in Season 1, Episode 7 of How I Met Your Mother, Matchmaker. Matchmaker. Okay, so um, just to summarize, uh, Ted and Barney sign up for a matchmaker service. Um, And this matchmaker service, like, boasts that they have, like, the 
perfect algorithm and they have boiled it down to a perfect science and it's 100% guarantee that you're going to find your match. Um, so they sign up for a matchmaker. Hilarity ensues. Meanwhile, <laughs> Marshall and Lily um, are confronting a mutant species uh, vermin in the in the apartment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, those are the, the basic storylines. So, um, yeah, so Ted and Barney go into this matchmaker. So the matchmaker is Cameron Mannheim. World-famous world uh, actress, yeah. Cameron Mannheim. Yeah. Um, and Emmy winner, again. Emmy sure. winner. So, of course, Barney can't help but be a full-on sexual predator, and immediately she clocks him and says, get out of here. Like, we don't, we're not going to match you. Yeah. You're a monster. Because he comes in, like, lying, like, where do I, where do I write that I just want to be cuddled and I want to cry? And, yeah. and she's like, I see right through you. Get out of here. Um, I he did writes, like his fake name. His name was Jack Package or... Package, yeah, I like that. As he pronounced it. Yeah, I did laugh at that. Um, and then, you know, she's convinced that, like, okay, like, I'm going to match up Ted. Like, you stay here. You're cute. You're an architect. We'll figure it out. Um, and uh, I guess she says, like, give me three days. And three days pass. She doesn't call him. So he gets real worried and goes into the office and is like, where's my match? You said three days. And, um... She's really um, at a loss because she, like, she couldn't find him a, a match. So um, he's unmatchable. Um, however, there I guess there was a match, like a 9.5% mm -hmm. match, um, but she's already engaged to be married. She was already matched up to a much lesser, um, what's the word? Compatibility? Uh, compatibility yeah. score. Um, so, you know, Ted's sad. She closes up the office. He runs back in, hacks into the computer, and prints out quickly the pages of the match. Sarah O'Brien. Sarah right? O'Brien. She's a dermatologist. So Ted, being like the grossest, stalkeriest sicko makes an appointment with the dermatologist he finds like what she's into and then like tries to subtly like bring it into conversation like she's in love with seals and croft summer breeze great song she likes um what else does she like uh, well she loves brunch and hates phonies she loves brunch hates phonies as, as much as ted is being a creep this scene was funny to me the way he kept bringing up like I've had the song stuck in my head ever since I was at brunch this past weekend I like brunch as long as I, I don't just, have to go with a bunch of phonies yeah and she's like me too <laughs> um so he's like yeah I just want to get this mole checked out and then he asked her out and she said oh I'm actually getting married on Saturday and he's gross so he's like what are you doing Friday and then um <laughs> again I thought that was funny too yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so he said, okay, if something happens where you don't end up getting married on Saturday, please give me a call. She's like, okay, but I look really great in my dress, so that's not going to happen, <laughs> which is also funny. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, back at, um, I'm going to say Marshall and Lily's apartment. It's not. Even though it's not. It's um, Ted and Marshall's apartment. So they're... Um, getting frisky i guess or uh -huh. about to and they see what 
one believes is a cockroach, the other believes is a mouse. <laughs> they yeah. can't decide. They decide it's a, a mutant um, cockamouse. Um, and that's pretty funny. Let's see. That, like, um, I, I've talked, <laughs> I always bring up uh, How I Met Your Mother somehow being more, to me, more real and more relatable to, like, city life, apartment life, or whatever. Mm, like, luckily, you and I have never had, like, an infestation, but, like... Oh. Have we? <laughs> I, we've had, there have been times in the summer when it's super hot outside that we've had the odd gigantic cockroach like bigger than your face but then the landlady sprays and then it goes away again so i feel like it's it's never been an ongoing problem here but maybe not for you it is but i do think that that's i i I guess i feel like friends maybe sometimes it's very funny and very professional but it feels like it's written by people i don't know if this is true or not it feels like it's written by people who have been professional sitcom writers for a while. They haven't had to contend. Yeah. With. Whereas How Many Mother feels like it's met, it's written by people who not so long ago or maybe even currently are living lives very similar to the, to the character. So the idea sure. of, of living in an apartment in a city and, uh, having to worry about an infestation, uh, yeah, it, it felt like it came from some experience, but they're all really nice apartments. Like, um, Marshall and Lily's apartment is a really nice apartment and very big. Yeah, and again, it's Ted Marshall's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, I mean, Ted's a professional. He's an architect. Yeah. I don't know where Marshall... I mean, he's in... He's in school. In law he's school. In law so I'm not school. sure how he pays for his apartment. His parents, maybe? maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, but we haven't... Uh, oh, yeah, we have seen Robin's apartment a little bit. Right, um, Yeah. But uh, we haven't seen Barney's apartment, and we haven't seen Lily's apartment because <laughs> she essentially lives at Ted Marshall's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we're confronted with the cockamouse, um, there's a message for Ted from the doctor. Um, and obviously this is like so obvious where this is. I like, literally wrote down how obvious. Yeah, yeah. It was like, so obviously like he's going to have like a cancerous or precancerous mole, which is exactly what it was. Yep. It wasn't some declaration of love. I'm not getting married. Um, you could see it a mile away. Although but, I did. Oh, go ahead. But he does run to her office, like ready for her to, you know, give in to his charms. But I did think it was funny when she sits him down and says, you have a blah, 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 and he's like, anything else? And, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else happens in this? I have a bunch of just notes I wanted to mention. The um, At the beginning, because we still start off with um, Bob Saget's voice talking to the kids, and we see the two kids, and here they literally try to, like, they try to leave. They try to, yeah, they <laughs> And he tells the... them to sit back down. And that brings me to a bit of... Uh, trivia is that you know this show's on for it's going to be on for the better part of a decade obviously the kids get older so at a certain point when they realize the show is a success they kind of shot all that stuff at once Hmm. so like the kids the kids won't age as the show goes on which is like kind of a cool thing and what's interesting about that is that um, Lindsay Fonseca the daughter was on Nikita for like like so there was a there was a time like season five or so of How I Met Your Mother where she's still showing up in How I Met Your Mother as she looked five years ago, oh, that's and funny. she's on a, a regular on a CW show. Yeah, 
Um, and then I can't remember the uh, the boy's name, but I'm not sure what else. I made the observation, well, just kind of a joke that by the time we finish this podcast, it'll actually be 2030. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the kids um, find out. Uh, okay, did you... Th- uh, um, there were a lot of references to lesbians in this yes. episode yes. and well, I guess there were uh, a couple in the friends episode uh, uh, too always. where Ross yeah. is yeah because Ross is always yeah so that's a similar similarity um, but did uh, so because Cameron Mannheim is like when she's like reducing the number of like available women in New yeah. York and one thing she says is we cannot forget those lesbians which I wonder if that's because Cameron Mannheim is Heterosexual, but his all their her entire life has been like presumed has had to like uh, fight the presumption. People tend to think that she's uh, a lesbian, and she is a very um, uh, vocal uh, LGBTQ rights activist and everything mm. like that. Maybe that's why people have just assumed like even though she had like a super transphobic like she goes on a rant about well she, yeah she's listing all because she she said she went down to the street and just started showing her uh, ted's picture to people and then yeah she has this thing where she says transvestite which i, I try to remember says, like okay 2005 maybe we weren't saying but or not everyone was saying transvestite hooker which it's oh. like a double whammy there yeah <laughs> like, and then says he she multiple yeah. times yeah that's that's stuff that like it doesn't age well. And it aged, it aged poorly so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel like not that long after 2005, this would not have yeah, I, flown. I bristled at that, yeah. like, little yeah. speech. Um, okay, a couple other things. Um, well, okay, so you mentioned the mole uh, being cancerous was obvious. Another joke that I saw, a, a joke that I saw coming, but that I still thought was funny when Lily was like, raise your hand if you tried to hit on an engaged woman <laughs> today and Ted raised his hand and then Barney raised his hand. Yeah. I saw it coming a mile yeah. away and it still made me laugh. Yeah, me too. The um, way he does it, he like slowly yeah, he like his waits hand. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, for some reason, I, uh, Marshall, the lawyer to be mm-hmm. and Lily, the, teacher school teacher mm-hmm. believing in like who and conspiracy theories and stuff like that um seems less funny now in the age of QAnon and shit oh right because i don't know so, if that bothers you robin's like a um skeptic, skeptic so a she doesn't believe person. in and as is barney but robin's the more vocal one yeah no aliens yeah. no like uh, no, she doesn't believe in the Loch Ness monster or right. or Bigfoot, right? Um, which she's right. I, I'm I'm with Robin on this. I'm a skeptic about all those things. Um, let's see. I had uh, a couple of other notes about the apartment. It's funny that <laughs> when they see the cockamouse again at the end mm-hmm. it's like the middle of the day mm-hmm. and robin just has a martini to, to throw at the at the cockamouse that's funny that robin's hanging out at ted marshall's apartment yeah. sipping a martini in the middle of the day yeah um and then weirdly their window doesn't have a screen on it they yeah. just like open the window and like yeah it seems dangerous yeah um, um Oh, go on. Well, I have a stray observation also. Yeah, I, I have one more, so you do your... Oh, okay. Um, I forgot to mention, like, the most cringy thing that um, Cameron Mannheim said about the algorithm for the the matchmaking was that um, new women are turning 18 every day, <laughs> which is, yeah. like, the most repulsive thing yes. I've heard. But unlike the 
transphobic part, I think that was meant to be to, to sound be creepy disgusting. and like, yeah, a little Barney-ish. Um, my last thing, because it's, be- it's becoming a thing, I should almost move this to like running jokes or motifs rather uh the good taste of the music supervisors at how i met your mother because the scene when ted dashes back into the matchmaker's office to lift the information from the computer is a ted leo and the pharmacist song oh and he's ted and his name's ted yeah Yeah. um you want to do your uh funniest moment um, so I think Marshall's reaction to the cockamouse is very funny. Uh-huh. Um, you could tell it's, it's really impactful for him. But when he says, someone asked him about it casually, like, oh, how's that like mouse or cockroach? And he said, it's bigger now. It's been feeding <laughs> um, in such a way that made me laugh. Um, my funniest moment was not a line. It was a, it, it was a moment that was again, very obvious what was happening, but I think they went so turned it all the way up to eleven in such a way that it still made it funny. <laughs> Barney show up showing up, my boat is sinking, and like telling him this whole story about how he has a boat and the specific thing that the dockmaster, like or harbor master, whatever, said to him, like you gotta come help me with my boat. Like it's just so over the top, and Ted yeah. runs out, and then the cut to them, just not because I, I think the obvious thing would have been the cut to them, like hurriedly rushing rushing into the matchmaker's office and ted being like oh but it gets it waits further to where they're just standing there filling out forms yeah. i think that yeah. there's a bit of uh, the the filmic language of the the comedic filmic language there was very sharp and got a big reaction uh, out, out of me um yeah that was funny also um is that a motif that that Barney's always trying to get to a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Because in the last episode, he wanted to get to the Victoria's Secret. Yeah, the Halloween party. Yeah. Halloween party. So he's always trying to get to the boat. Yeah. Or a boat. Yeah. Um, you have a fashion moment for us? Um, well, we were recently talking about uh, how terrible low-rise jeans are, but uh, all the women on this show wear low-rise boot-cut jeans, and I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Oh, see, I thought we were only doing fashion moments we like. If we were doing fashion moments we didn't like, I could fill a page with each of these episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could be just things that we... Observations. Okay. Make it fashion can be... Oh, we forgot to say make it fashion. Yeah. We're so bad at this. Um... Okay, yeah, if we're listing things we don't like, I mean, like, Marshall's dumb, like, earth tone uh, sweater I, yeah. I, I hated. But if we're talking about fashion moments we do like, and you'll have to excuse me, Natalie, because if I'm going to suffer you talking about how hard, how hot Jason Siegel is in every episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to point out in the, the last scene in the apartment, uh, Lily is wearing, like, a lacy black camisole under her cardigan. Oh, yeah, cardigan. That was cute. That It was, was very, cute. very sexy. All right. <laughs> what? Just you kidding. can't talk about it. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> so I guess there are, like, a couple goals for us, because we both yeah, are I guess so. with them as yeah. a couple. Um, as far as running, uh, or, or at least not running jokes, but motifs, the, the revisiting the idea that Ted believes against all odds and log- logic yeah. that he will fall in love with the perfect woman right. and get married and have the perfect life uh, yeah. um, uh, persists. And, and sometimes willing... it's sad and sometimes it's uh, uh, inspiring, maybe? he's. No, I, I say no, no but <laughs> he's going to just, like, the grossest extremes to get there. Definite, like, stalker, stalker vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, is it time for... 
how will we do it? <laughs> yep. Where we look at the events of the day in history that these episodes aired. On November 3rd, 1994, we have a, uh, a trilogy of cosmic happenings. Ooh. Now, um, the space shuttle STS-66, also known as the Atlantis-13, launched into, into orbit. Uh, Dutch and British astronomers uh, found a new spiral nebula called Dwingaloo 1. That's what mm. they named it, Dwingaloo? Dwingaloo 1. Um... I feel like maybe, does that mean the Dutch, does Dwingaloo sound more Dutch or British to you? Oh, yeah, I guess British. Um, Okay. Uh, And then in South America, in in, in that part of the world, there was a total solar eclipse that lasted four minutes and 23 seconds. Oh. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. We haven't had a solar eclipse here in a few, in a few years. Not since our former president looked directly at it with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> any classes or anything I forgot about that it's <laughs> um, like the one thing that like like babies know how to not do like yeah. don't look at the sun it hurts you yeah but he's like uh it's just like well he's like gretchen from you're the worst like you can't tell him what he can't do no he's just <laughs> a dumb baby yeah uh, and then on November, Monday, November 7th, sorry, did I say the date for the, uh, November 3rd, 1984? Yeah, I can't remember saying. Okay. Monday, November 7th, 2005. Uh, I had this all queued up and now, uh, uh, oh, this one's interesting. I'm reading the whole thing is from business week. Um, or the, or the whole summary. China closes all Beijing poultry markets. Authorities ordered all live poultry markets in China's capital to close immediately and went door-to-door seizing chickens and ducks from private homes as the government dramatically ramped up its fight against avian influenza. Ooh. So bird flu. Bird flu. You know, we've had... And this was was multiple. Obviously, we have the coronavirus, which we don't know 100% came from bats, but seems like bats are a likely culprit. We had the swine flu back in, what was that, 2009, 2010? The swine flu? Yeah, this was bird flu, which I'd almost forgotten about bird flu. Yeah. So that's what was going on on, that's how we were doing on November 7, 2005. Yeah. Do you have any memories about the bird flu before I move on? Um, no, but, you know, if we all stopped eating meat, what would happen? We'd be a lot better. Yeah, not eating meat would objectively be better for the world. Yes, I still eat meat um, pretty regularly. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you I'd, just did today. Had some chicken. I had chicken soup. Yeah, today. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so now do we go? We move on to challenge accepted. Yes, wherein we take uh turns predicting what's going to happen in the next episode of each show based on the episode title yes so i will guess so for season one episode eight of friends it's uh entitled the one where nana dies twice the one where nana dies twice i'm going to say oh okay here's a prediction that someone, one of the characters, maybe Ross, tries to get out of something by claiming that his grandmother died and then she actually dies. Mm. That's my prediction for the one where Nana dies twice. Okay. Let me mark this down. Lock it in. Uh, um, I'm going to say Ross pretends 
Nana died. Ugh, I can't type. And then she does. Okay, it's locked in. <laughs> so, now I'm going to ask for your prediction, Natalie, for How I Met Your Mother, Season 1, Episode 8, which is called The Duel. Hmm. D-U-E-L. Not, not like there's two of something, but like a... Right, right, right. Um, the Duel. Okay. Um... I'm going to say that uh, Ted and Barney uh, fight over the same woman. Okay. And then they challenge one another to a duel. Some, I'm going to say some sort of duel. Yeah. Okay. Locked in. Locked in. Our predictions, our challenges have been accepted. Our predictions have been locked in. And uh, we've done it. We've talked about season one, episode seven of Both Friends and How I Met Your Mother. We sure did. Uh, so with that. <laughs> yeah, with that, I still haven't set up an email address for us. You can email me at david at Uh Follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Obviously, check out battleshippretension.com. That's where I talk and write about movies along with uh, my co-host, Tyler Smith, and some other people. Um, Plug your book. Uh, yeah, we uh, Battleship Retention uh, as a website uh, published a self published a book um, called Battleship Retention's The One Hundred and One Best Movies of the Twenty Tens. Very proud of it. Uh, that's available now at battleshipretention dot com. Thank you, Natalie, for reminding me to plug the book. Uh, thank you, Darla, for shaking and making noise uh, <laughs> right below the microphone. Uh, Natalie, I know that you don't want people to get a hold of you in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Okay. Well then. Until next time. Farewell, friends and mothers. <laughs>